One, two, three, four. Just another day at my dead end profession. I've lived day to day. Yeah, listen to some good old country records on the radio. Hell, yeah, what else can I say? Welcome back to the program. I'm Ryan Shores. With me, as always, is Mr. Dave Callens. Hello. And on the soundboard, our producer, Mr. Robert Timothy. Woohoo! And I comment, he's not with us as always because uh, he wasn't here last week. Right. Had a different Dave. We had a different Dave. Arguably, some fans might say a slightly better performing Dave. I'm just... A little raspier Dave maybe fits in better with... (laughs) You know what's funny is I went to do my sign-off at the end of the show. Uh, Some of our regular listeners might have uh, picked up on this, but I went to go do our sign-off, which is, I'm Ryan for Dave and Bobby. And all of a sudden, I went to hesitate. like, wait, it's not Dave. Wait, yes, it is. Dave and Bobby. (laughs) So anyways, so... um. I got a little hair of the dog going. I I haven't drank a beer on the air in about like a year or so. Yeah, I was getting proud of you, but they <laughs> waited to knock that back down. Well, now I'm proud of you because you started again. So you've always got one of us cornered. Yeah, we're like a father and mother that just have different <laughs> ideals. I got uh, I got a whole new system here. I have a show and I got Hendo's show in Santee. Mm. And you know me, I do not arrive to gigs drunk or high or any of the uh, of the like. Yep. However, I have a whole new system. I'm going to get morning drunk, fall asleep, wake up totally sober for the show. Anyways, how does that fail? That's a perfect plan. <laughs> yeah. Perfect plan. Yeah, but uh, anyways, I uh, had my show at uh, Alpine sold out again. Nice job, buddy. Thank you. Uh, I had possibly the most annoying conversation at this gig last night, <laughs> and you guys will both relate to it so much. But it, it, it was—I can't even imagine what it is because I know the 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 spectrum of annoying conversations we all face. They, they so, start out with... To say the most annoying, that's a bold statement. It is, but yeah. I think you'll agree with me once I, oh, yeah. uh, I get started. They, they start out with, I got some material you can use. And then 45 minutes later, it's a story <laughs> unique to that person about how their grandmother once farted in a room with everybody else. I Bobby, have a just like that. Yeah. Bobby, I so wish this person had material <laughs> to get me... Uh, it's just so much worse. Okay, so uh, at my show, I don't. You guys haven't played this room yet, you, uh, but uh, you will. It's got a little green room area. It's almost like a little treehouse. It's, it's above the. It's above the where the patio. It's where the comics all hang out. It's really cool. It's like an employee area for that brewery. So anyway, I'm hanging out there, and a regular comes over. And um, I've seen him at every single show, so I want to keep that guy happy. And he's always really nice. He comes over and says, hey, Ryan, I'm sorry to bother you. Uh, I have a friend here that's interested in getting into comedy. And I was wondering, like, maybe after the show, could you, like, maybe pick your brain a little bit? I always say yes to that Yeah, you get that, you get that all the time. All See, the time. It's not I don't a know problem. how you guys are about this. I, I, whenever I get that, I'm, I'm down for it because I want to help someone. But at the same yeah. time, I'm like... Who the fuck am I to give someone advice? Yeah, like, but there's a lot of practical advice you had. I actually got this exact question at a Comic-Con gig I did last week. There was one of the guys who was like, oh my God, I'm so interested in doing stand-up. And I was like, I'm actually heading to Madhouse after this if you want to come with me. And he did not. But you can give him the practical <laughs> advice of like, here are the open mics. Here's what you do. You put together a three-minute set and you put your name on this list. And that's actually pretty valuable information to somebody who's never done this and doesn't understand how it works. Yeah, You know, and, and also along that lines, you know that there's... There's a 50-50 chance the, the conversation might turn annoying. It, that's sure. just part of it. But I don't want to be the guy that uh, I asked for that when I was starting out. As a guy, yeah. as a comic, he's still a comic. His name's Billy Bonnell. He was like, he was a comic of like three years when I started or something yeah. like that. He's still, he's in LA. He's doing stuff like he. He's a guy that, by the way, would probably be a huge star if he wasn't such a prick and no one liked. <laughs> 
You know, like, like seriously, I know so many people like, yeah, he's really talented, but I won't book him because he's a fucking asshole. So, and, and this, he's like Adam Pac-Man Jones. Yeah, so like, I went to him because he was like the top dog in town when I started. I'm like, hey, man, like, uh, can you give me advice? He's like, yeah, quit. You'll never be as funny as me. <laughs> and he wasn't like joking. He was like a dick about it. He's like, yeah, just don't do it. There's no point. So anyways. Um, I really thinning be- out the herd. That's one way. He's like, if I just keep anybody else from doing comedy, I'll always yeah. have a spot. I'm yeah. the gatekeeper. Yeah. So anyways, I don't, I don't want to be that prick. So I fucking, um, you know, I always say yes. And now, first of all, I said yes after the show, though, because, uh-huh. you know, I, I, I'm doing double duty. I'm not only doing a set, I'm hosting and I'm producing. I've, I'm wearing a lot of hats at my show. So I'm running around. I'm making sure all my comics are happy. I don't have time until after the gig to talk to you. But please come find me at the bar. I'll sit there. I'll give you up to 15 minutes of my time. So anyways. I'll he's like, 14. <laughs> So he shakes my hand. He's like, hey, thanks a lot, man. I'll meet a lot to her. I'm like, great. So anyways, I'm setting up my, my uh, PA system uh, in the showroom. And this uh, he comes up to me. He's like, hey, man, I, I know you said afterwards, but uh, she'd really like to talk to you now. It's this older lady. Time out. Let me real quick. So this is someone who's thinking about getting into it? Yeah. Okay. My prediction is she's going to show you her merch options and ask you what you think is best. <laughs> oh, no, Dave. You've gotten the wrong way. Before you get into merch, you need a catchphrase. And that, I think she's going to run gonna, some catchphrases by you. Hey, guys. Close. <laughs> so, anyways, so so, uh, so she's an older lady. She's in her 50s, blonde, and she's uh, from New Zealand. Mm. She's got a thick accent. And she's like, so... Uh, and, and, and I realized right away she's not so much interested in uh, picking my brain to learn how to step into comedy. She thinks she's already in it because her first question is, so I'd like to talk to you about being booked on one of your comedy shows. Uh. I'm like, oh, oh, okay. I misunderstood the situation. Uh, how long have you been doing stand-up? She goes, never. I'm ready to get into it, though. I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay, well, what I think you should do, I'm going to give you a list of some open mics around town, and a couple of them, I know the guys running them. If you drop my name, you'll get a good spot. Uh, and she goes, open mic? No, no, no. I want to do a show like this. I've been to every one of them, and uh, I think I'm ready to headline. Oh, that like, is so amazing. Uh, well, you should do... A couple open mics before you're on a before before I even come to see you uh, to see if you could even do an opening spot. You should probably do a couple open mics. She goes, "That is an understatement to the extreme." I know. A couple open mics. I know. You are giving her the biggest line to hang herself because. I, I don't know about you guys. How many mics did you do before you actually ever did a book? I probably All did. Of them. Yeah, like, <laughs> two I probably, years. Probably did like seventy open mics yeah, before you years. did a single book show. Which, by the way, still doesn't pay. Do you just got no, a, you just right. got a book spot, but you right. still didn't pay? I did six months of open mics, um, and, and when I say six months, I did four a week. Yeah, at minimum. I would have done more if there were more. Right. But I did literally every open mic that that San Diego had to offer in two thousand nine, and I did that for six months. And finally, I got six minutes on a Tuesday night yeah. bringer show. And yeah. by the way, that's not an insult to them, and that's not hampering them. It's actually the be- like the best gift you can give to them, because guess what? You don't want to come out to the world with your first attempt at this thing, right? That's what everybody's going to know you as. No, here's the thing, though. I, I'm guessing, just based on Ryan's scenario he's presented, 
she's the kind of person who will hear the laughs in her head. Mm. Oh, she yeah. could eat shit for 20 minutes and then tell all yeah. her friends about how amazing were, she was. They, they weren't laughing out loud, but they were really, I, I'm like Eddie Murphy. I make them think. To be fair, yeah. Dave, that is a cultural thing because booze are actually claps in New Zealand. So <laughs> it's, it's like the toilet water. <laughs> so anyways, so so now at this point, I'm starting to get insulted. Am I yeah. being a prima donna? But I'm, right. I'm, I'm, I'm getting a little insulted. I'm like, well... Uh, I did about two years of open mics before I became, you know, a, a, a regularly working comic. She's like, don't need it. And, <laughs> uh, and so I'm like, and I'm trying to get through to her. All right. Yeah. I, I am trying to get through to her. I'm like, I'm like, before you show me, like it might, it, it may not go the way you think it, it, it it's going to go in your head right now. Uh, and what I said to her was, uh, all the stuff that you see me do that makes you laugh uh, I don't know it's funny until you guys tell me. Yeah. Like, I'm like, I have for every one joke that makes you laugh, I tried ten that got nothing. Yeah. You know, it's, a, it's a shame that you have to put all that work in it because she just knows what's funny. <laughs> yeah, so she goes, no, no, I've got a secret. I'm an older lady. I'm gonna talk about tits and fats. It's going to be shocking, and uh, they're not they're not expecting it from an older woman. I've got a whole bit about tits. You want to hear my bit about tits? I'm like, no. She goes, here's my bit about tits, <laughs> and she goes, I uh, they don't have fake tits in New Zealand, and I got here and I thought all the tits were real, but they're not. They're fake. So I thought must be something in the milk. Paused for laughs. Uh, listen, I don't want to call you out, Ryan, but you're kind of a joke thief right now. You're <laughs> somebody else's material. So, Our listenership's going to spike every yeah. episode. Well, he's got great new material. So I'm like, yeah, that, that's that's dynamite. Listen, um, you, you, you're going to want to hit some openings. He goes, well, how many? I'm like, well, tell you what, hit a couple, and when you're ready for me to come see you, yeah. I'll come see you. That's a fucking lie. Right, but, right. Uh, I'm like, I'll come see you, and we'll audition you for this show. She goes, you're not going to come to the first one then? Oh, I'm like, uh, anyways, I got tape go. it for me. So, yeah. So I do. I, 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 I'm like, I got to go. I set up my PA. I, I know you're doing us a favor by condensing this. How I really long am. was this conversation? That was about a 10 minute conversation. Oh, right? Jesus. So afterwards, afterwards, I run the show. Great show. Trenton Davis headlining brought the house down. Yeah. He, he left to a standing ovation. It was great. Of course. Um, so the show ends. People are, are, are filing out. Me, who's been emceeing and producing this whole time, I've been running back and forth. I go to the bar for a much-deserved beer. I am hunched over the bar, and the first person to come running up to me, Kiwi herself, she comes up and then slaps her hand on the bar to accentuate her fucking words. He goes, all right, I've seen all I need to see. Sign me up. I'm like... I told you a mere 90 minutes ago yeah. <laughs> that I need you to do some open mics. She's like, no need. Uh, you don't understand. And this is what she, then, then she says this to me. I've already done the, me material in front of me parents. Do you know what they said? What'd they say? They said, you're hilarious. Anyways. <laughs> my mom go. says I'm cool. <laughs> she literally, a 54-year-old wow. woman. Had the goddamn audacity to say that she does not need to put any work in to stand up because her parents, <laughs> who must be in their 80s and senile. Yeah. Uh, but fu- clearly no comedy when they yeah, hear it, yeah, obviously. And I also did it from my roommate. By the way, I have a, a joke about tits. I'm like, I, I remember from before. So anyways, that was another 20 minutes. Jesus. I gave her a list of open mics. Uh, Alan Henderson, sorry to tell you, buddy. Winston's was one of them. <laughs> She'll never show up. Don't worry. Uh, anyway, so but the, 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 I mean, the night. thing is, like, that's why I'm drinking. So let's say you had 
Let's get past the fact that she almost certainly doesn't have good material. Let's say you did. Let's say you found a secret treasure trove of Louis C.K. jokes that he'd never done before and you could pass off. That was going to be my guess is she's going to show up doing like old Ellen DeGeneres jokes. But even then, even in that case, you don't have your stage mechanics down. Like you don't know how to work the mic and move around a stage and deal with a big... Like, you don't work need, the mic. You're talking to this and you hold this end. You just Piece need time on stage. It's just like a super crucial part of it. I still like the sign me up with... A, yeah. With class, uh, with class, because I wanted to be uh, the, what I wanted to say in that moment, uh, but I didn't because she's friends with a regular that buys tickets to all my shows. I wanted to say, you know, lots of people, about twenty people a month, hit me up to be on the show, and I say no to fifteen of them, and all fifteen of them are better than you. <laughs> all of them, all of them. the worst comic that's ever hit me up to be on this is better than you <laughs> by a lot. <laughs> I got a different side of this last week when I did that Comic-Con show. It was a, it was a corporate, so it was like the, one of those Comic-Con after parties, yeah. and it was, you know, they rent out the whole thing. It was great, because it was like 450 people with a line of 2,000 people outside with a one-in, one-out policy, so if you had to go to the bathroom, somebody took your spot. Nice. Uh, but I did it, and it was really fun. It was a super easy MC event. Like, they didn't want straight material on anything, so all I did was threw a few tags on when, whenever I brought up a presenter, I'd throw a few tags on whatever they said at the end, and and then it was just great, and the audience ate it up. Super easy gig. But do you guys ever get this? I had the thing where I had a bunch of people there who were kind of science geeks and science nerds who knew me from other kind of facets of life. And so every time I get down off stage, somebody would give me like pat me on the shoulder. You're doing good, man. It's going well. You know, don't don't worry about the crowd. And I was like. <laughs> No, it's, I, I'm not nervous in front of people. That's why I do this thing. And it was just like, they felt like assuring me because they looked out and they thought, oh, there's 450 people here. If I was on stage, I'd be really nervous. Right, right. And I yeah. kept getting the reassuring hand back. Hey, man, you're doing a great job. This is fantastic. And, it go and there's also a juxtaposition because I'm bringing up like scientists to come and give a little presentation and then get off stage. And... If you're juxtaposed to a scientist giving their PowerPoint presentation as a comedian, you're going to come off pretty fucking good. Yeah. <laughs> yep. yep. I, I almost never get that, but that's because most of my friends are comics. I don't yeah. know too many normal people. When you yeah. go to the normal person show, which is what this, that's why it was so weird. And people kept coming up. And for half a second, I was like, man, am I, do I have my dick out or something? Like, is it, am I fucking up in a way that I don't recognize where they feel the need to constantly assure me? I looked at the video later and I was like, oh no, no, that was just, that is the difference when you have friends who are non-comics or haven't seen you perform before and you're doing, this was a two and a half hour show, so I was up in between the entire time coming up and down and every time they just, oh man, yeah, great crowd and stuff, just so, you know, don't get nervous up there. And it's like, yeah, I'm just totally fine. Did they ask you to hit their hands? Yeah, start punching like we're mitts. It was pretty close to that. Yeah. It was a very similar thing. It all comes from a good place. Uh, Ryan, something interesting happened this week that uh, that kind of put me in a weird position. Uh, apparently, you and my other very, very close friend and podcast co-host, Damian Mercado, somehow got set up to do some kind of Royal Rumble yeah. in the stupidest way possible. Okay, so let me, let me, let me explain how this went down. Uh, friend of the show, Mr. Mikey Gordon, who yeah. is a also a professional cl uh, clown wrestler that gave me acid that didn't work once. That's right. <laughs> um, he, uh, he he had this idea uh, where he, he has a big inflatable boxing ring. It's basically mm -hmm. like a bouncy castle. It is right. a bouncy okay? castle, yeah. And, and, and giant inflatable gloves. Yep. He said... Wouldn't it be funny if we got some uh, comics to like just play box each other in the yeah. bouncy castle? Now that sounds like a lot of fun, and it did to me. And he came to me, he's like, "Hey, if you do it, I'll give you what your fee is for headlining." I'm yeah. like, and, and, and I'm like, you know what? 
It's one minute rounds, uh, three of them. I'm like, so I'm gonna get a lot, pretty good dough for three yeah. minutes of work. I'm like, I'm like, because I, I gave him the high end of what I, I I charge to headline locally. Sure. Um, and so I'm like, I'm like, yeah, for that, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll do that, you know. And then Bobby, you pointed out something that I just didn't think of. Now, yeah. the, the only one. Now, keep in mind. All comics in San Diego um, know that I'm a former fighter. Pretty yep. much all of them. So I'm like, if you can find me an opponent now, Damien, former Marine and uh, I'm Army, former Army, former Army, yeah. and I'm sure he's had some tutelage under you. Yes, uh, with boxing, and he, and he takes some boxing classes. And he takes some boxing, so he's no slouch. I'm like, that'd be a pretty good fight, but we're gonna be bouncing. We're gonna have giant balloons yeah. on our hands. We're gonna be fine. You know, even if I hit him flush with my rainmaker, like yeah. he's not going out. Yeah. You know. <laughs> So, um, Bobby, step into where you came in. I just see this like online. I'm out in the field all day, so I don't, I can't like catch up on stuff as it's happening. And as I'm coming back in, I get all these messages on my phone. I look at this, and, I, and like it was literally like an oh. Fuck. Like, it was the perfect storm of stupidity where I was like, no, 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 no. And I immediately start texting people, don't do this. So here's why. When I was in college, I was on the boxing team. And so they would invite me to come over this one fraternity, SAE, which I was not in, but I was in a neighboring fraternity. They would invite me to come over to, quote, unquote, train their guys because every year they did like a, a charity boxing event. And the first year they wanted to do it, they had me come in and train their guys. And they're like, listen, we're going to do this. We have this inflatable ring and these big inflatable gloves and we're going to hit each other. And I was like all right, whatever, fuck it, I'll just train your guys. Like, I train the regular boxing team. Right. So I, I train one of their guys, and I go to this event. There's, I think, six fights in this event. Four of them end in catastrophic injury. <laughs> and here is why. Uh, tell me what uh, you mean by catastrophic injury, please. Here is why. Uh, no, that's not the question I, I, I will. I will. I will as All I go right. through. Uh, uh, a few things. Number one, and this didn't technically happen at this one, though I've seen this happen before. When you're in one of those bouncy castles, you have no footing. So if right. you end up getting in a... I see, I've seen guys wrestle in one of those things. If you end up getting in a tussle or a wrestling match in one of those things, it's basically a coin flip as to whose ACL is going to blow. Because <laughs> there's no sure footing, and if you weigh over 150 pounds, and the other guy weighs over 150 pounds, now you have 300 pounds of weight on this weird moving set thing and so it's really bad i didn't see any of those that night but here's what i did see uh the worst one was when somebody Wait, let me guess one of the guys filled up his balloon glove then filled it with thumbtacks you don't need to when he put here's the thing those things are so much more dangerous than boxing gloves <laughs> the big ones that mikey originally proposed the way they work is they're big and inflatable but you're holding on to this bar that's on the inside like this wooden dowel right. that's on the inside that is how you hold on to these gloves well, that dowel is just sticking out the bottom side. So think of what you would do with like a hammer fist. That's essentially beating somebody with a billy club, right? Oh. And, and so there is no padding on that side or not enough to stop it. And you just get one side hit to the head and you get jacked by what is essentially a baton to the side of the face. So that's like stupid part number one. And by the way, if you're like, oh, well, they won't do that on purpose. You can't fucking control yourself. No, you're, you're just flailing because you have no footing. <laughs> you're like Lance Armstrong on the moon on those things. Yeah. Uh, so what ended up what ended up happening a few times is almost every single fight, somebody drops the gloves because there's unlike regular gloves, they're not strapped to your fucking hands and they come right off grown adult males who are in the middle of a melee. So we had a whole bunch of instances of guys just taking straight bare knuckle right hands to the face. So so if I'm hearing you right, 
you want to take all the fun out of this event. Yes, exactly. (laughs) But the, I mean, the worst injury I saw, which we had to take the guy to the hospital for, was the fact that these gloves are not meant to be used by grown ass men throwing full speed and full strength. And so what ends up happening is, think of what happens to a balloon if you put force on it. It deforms to the cavity in which it's around, right? So what happens when you throw these big inflatable punch punch gloves into somebody's face is, if you have enough force behind it, it deforms to the like cavity of your eye. And in this case, it just scratched the guy's retina. And so we had to take him to the hospital because he had a scratch retina. By the way, he now has a scratch retina for the rest of his life. Ugh. Because of this. But did he win? <laughs> no, he didn't. We had to God stop the fight. It. Because of this stupid idea. Oh, so that's corner stoppage. He won. Yeah. <laughs> we had gloves falling off, people taking right hands, people getting jacked uh, both by bare knuckles on the. We had one guy break his wrist because the. or uh, We don't know if he. Well, I naturally wrap my wrist. Yeah, I don't know if he broke his wrist, but he certainly jacked it pretty bad and swelled up because the, the gloves just come right off and there's no support system there. I think you're forgetting, though, at this event run by Mikey here and the comics he's going to have signed up, they're all going to be really drunk or on drugs. Yeah, so no. all these guys were all drunk as well. Uh, so <laughs> so what I finally I convinced them afterwards when they were like, oh, you should come back and do that again. And I was like, I will, I will do that for you guys, but you need to do a real ring or some kind of semblance thereof, and we'll use 16-ounce bag gloves, which are as safe as you can possibly get in boxing. This is what we give the new guys when they're first time sparring, right? Yeah, yeah. These are really big gloves. That usually means you're not throwing as hard as you possibly could because there's too much weight on the end of there. But also they provide a tremendous amount of support and protection. You can wrap the wrists. You're not going to be clocking dudes with essentially your bare fists. And you're not going to be breaking your wrist or hurting the other person's eyes. But yep. that's that's why people want to see this. It's like you don't watch the, the Indy 500 for the – you watch for the crashes. But here's the We're, thing. I'm like, I want to see an ACL block. No, on, yeah, yeah. This. Well, if, if you want to see that, then that's absolutely <laughs> what's going on. And so I see two of my closest friends about – about to do something monumentally <laughs> stupid for, by the way, no fucking reason. Like, none. They don't have any beef. There's uh, not anger between uh, the two of them. Uh, but money. Oh, uh, yeah, that's true. I'm a whore for money. And so, like, I'm panicking and I start sending messages. I'm like, do not do this. You do not. Un- this is stupid. Everybody thinks it's safer because they're inflatable. It's safer when you're fucking eight and you weigh 65 pounds. <laughs> it is not safer when you're a grown 30 some odd year old male, some with martial arts training, a whole bunch of weight and a whole bunch of strength behind it. And it's it was just like a monumentally bad idea. So I immediately started texting both you and Damien telling you to back this off. I even did something that I feel a little bad about because it, it seems a little demanding. But I you called I, my wife. Didn't yeah, <laughs> I sent a message to Mikey like, hey, can you not do this this way? Let me just give you my background. You probably haven't had this happen before. I watched this happen. And I watched somebody get their retina scratch. I watched somebody get their wrist broken. Like, I, I, these are really- Mikey's a carny, though. He's like, yeah, that's I a great show! Yeah, he, this is a guy who slams people through flaming yes. tables. There's going to be cotton candy! And I just imagine myself- <laughs> Like, he hears what you're saying. He's like, oh, yeah, this is absolutely safe. And like, I just, you're, you're listing all the safety points. I fast-forwarded to the inevitable end of this, where I'm looking at either Ryan's wife or Damien's girlfriend. I'm like, I'm sorry. I don't know. I tried to stop this <laughs> fucking thing. I have no idea what happened here. So I thought about that, and um, I'm- uh, and I and I did text Mikey. He has not responded. Ah. But I said, um, "All right, you know what, Bobby? Ma- I, I screenshotted what you said to me, yeah. and I said he makes some really good points here. And I didn't think about that. And if we wore headgear and used sixty-nine gloves, yes, no one's getting a concussion. Yep. On that. No, I'm sorry. And it's more entertaining, by the way, because oh, here's the other thing that we learned when they did the big inflatable thing. You know what? You can't see into. Giant inflatable bounce houses, right. and Mikey owns a wrestling ring. Yeah, so I'm like, I'm like, you can, we can do it in your wrestling ring. Me and Damien will actually fight. Yeah, we'll actually train for this thing. And you know what? I'm sorry. 
uh, I, if I returned to fighting, that would sell some fucking tickets right. in San Diego. Like, yeah. the, like people would come back to see me fight. The only other comic in San Diego that is able to fight, yes. it would be fighting me. Yeah. That would sell. I'm like, I, I, I told him, like, you're leaving money on the table, man. Forget my little headliner fee. Let's make way more than that. Yeah. Let's not be in a bouncy castle where someone gets accidentally hurt. Yeah. <laughs> Let's let, let me actually hurt Damien yeah. on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I'm 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 gonna wait to hear back on it, but obviously if I'm gonna accept my first fight in ten years, yeah. I'm gonna want some dough. So yeah, and it, it would it's it, again it would be a different thing if we were talking about like. Two wafy 140 pound comedians <laughs> who wear suits to every show. Like, it would, if that is a different thing, we're talking about Ryan, who has MMA experience and a decently sized dude. Damien, who is deceptively a giant. Like, yeah. he's, he's like a 260 pounds and he's incredibly strong for his size. He is, he is like in the 90th percentile of 260 pound dudes. <laughs> and he's a, he's an ex college football player and wrestler and all these things. Like, he is. Is a large, very, very strong dude. The two of you have the potential to harm each other, just flailing fists about yeah. based on relative strength and speed and skill and stuff. And to put those two people in a situation where we're ninety eh, percent sure one of them's coming out with an, a serious injury is just fucking dumb. Yeah. I just remember I'm driving down from the mountains, getting these like rings on my phone and looking and being like, "This is my fucking nightmare. This is horrible." Hey, Bobby, <laughs> if this go- does go down and uh, and uh, my price tags agreed upon, mm-hmm. and I do it. I'm going to ask that you don't corner or train either of us. Damien's already asked me to train him. No. Nope. I have I have said I will not corner anybody. I have actually suggested to Mikey, I said, if you agree this, if you agree to take the gloves out of the equation, the ones that he wanted to do, the big inflatable gloves, I will call the fight. Okay, you can call the fight, but uh, you're not allowed to train either of us. We'll talk after. <laughs> no, 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 no. Because I don't have any of my people from fucking 10 years ago. You're a legit... You don't have tra- any people left training? Huh? You don't have any people left to train you? No, it was a decade ago I left fighting. Okay. All right. We'll put- I, I, I'm going on, on my skills from literally 10 years ago. Okay. Listen, I uh, our good friend of the podcast, Adam Connie, takes boxing lessons. We'll get him to train you. Yes. No thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I do like the suggestion you made, by the way, between Adam Connie and Adam Love with the, <laughs> the hat belt. Um, but I, you know what I think it was? This, this I had an incident that happened to me on July 4th, and I, it's been bothering me ever since. Ryan, I want to know if this has happened to you, given okay. your background as well. Uh, family and I were out. We were going out to the USS Midway to go watch the fireworks with you know a large extended family, and I'm out with my my wife and my son. We stop by uh, a restaurant to pick up some food on the way, and then we keep heading out. And as we're heading out, my wife goes, oh, I think we left those chairs back at that restaurant. Can you go? And so I was like, all right. I ran back as my wife kept going back to where we were going to watch the fireworks. Like I, you brought chairs to sit on? Yeah, okay. yeah, And we had left them at the restaurant. Got it. Yeah. So I ran back, got the chairs, and I'm uh, heading back towards her. So I'm all alone, but it's downtown on 4th of July. It's packed, right? right. As I'm walking down, I think it was like 4th Street, as I'm walking down, this drunken, very bro-looking dude is walking uh, opposed to me. He has his head turned backwards, and he's yelling back down the street in the direction that I am now walking. He's yelling, yeah, fuck you, fuck you. Uh, I just figure it's angry bro talk, right? right. And and as I go back, I realize he is in a a verbal disagreement with somebody who's clearly a not-so-mentally-well homeless guy. Oh, okay. And so the homeless guy's yelling at him. He's yelling at the homeless guy. The bro dude is pretty yoked uh, and clearly, like, he... I don't know if he has a tribal armband tattoo. But, but he has a tribal armband he, tattoo. But mentally, that's where you need to picture this guy. And so as I'm going by, all of a sudden, the, the bro guy who had 
gone by me the other way. Now he rushes past me again uh, towards the homeless guy, and uh, now he's really close to him. So I stop immediately because I'm like, oh, no, I hope – I don't want to let this guy beat up a homeless guy, right? right? It's like that's that's totally fucked up. And right now I'm looking I'm doing a data assessment as I'm looking around <laughs> and I'm like, all right, drunk chick, tiny dude, really old man. Like nobody else is gonna be jumping in right. here, right? And so I I kind of have the duty to be like, all right, you, I need- were you wearing your costume underneath your clothes yeah. or did you leave that at home? <laughs> no, but you kind of go like, all right, if it's between this homeless guy getting curb stomped here and the 55-year-old Kiwi who thinks she can do stand-up comedy stopping it. <laughs> I'm going to need to step in. And so I stop on the corner with my chairs and just sit there and and, and stop. So and you set up chairs for this? Yeah. Uh, please tell me you unfolded what no, you just no, said no, it. He starts so... blowing up an inflatable ring. Yeah. Like... yeah. <laughs> Selling tickets. Yeah. <laughs> so I sit there and... The bro dude gets up and he kind of grabs the homeless dude by the scuff of his shirt. And I'm like, oh, shit. So now I put down the chairs and I'm, I'm getting ready to do this. And he does the thing where he raises his hand up in the air and he just holds it there for like a few minutes. And I was like, I also know enough about fighting. Uh, you used to be a self-defense instructor and all this other stuff that I know that in general, the guy who's going to hit you, he fucking hits you. Like right. he doesn't do the I'm going to hit you display for two and a half minutes. Right. Because the type of person who runs up and hits the mentally ill homeless man usually just hits him. And so I sit there and I sit on the corner for literally probably two minutes. I go through like two light cycles just standing there being like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure this doesn't get out of hand. And then at some point I go, okay, looks like this is gone. It's course. And it looks like this is about to break up. And I turn around and I start walking across the street. And that's when I hear the entire restaurant from across the street go like, oh. Oh, Jesus. And I turn around. Bro dude is running away laughing. Homeless- on fire. <laughs> <laughs> homeless dude is holding his head. And he clearly had hit him, right? And, and had ran away. And uh, What a pussy, by the way. Oh, dude. You yeah. have a mentally challenged guy covered in his own feces. Yeah. And like, if you're going to beat him up, beat him up. But you hit him once and run? Yeah. Well, not just that but like you've decided to strike a man not because he has insulted you but because his own inability to perceive what's going on around him has probably made him say something that you have gotten offended by like right. how pathetic do you have to be to get right. def- offended by that you know he's not right in the head. That's literally the analogy I use for people when they get offended at trolls on the internet. Yeah. I'm like, just consider it a homeless man with his pants around his ankles shouting, fuck you at traffic. Do you pull over and say, hey, that kind of language is uncalled for? <laughs> and this is what seems to be the problem. And and now this guy is literally done yeah. the, the metaphor I was using. And he's like, a pretty yoked dude, and the homeless guy is not. Like, the homeless guy is a fairly live guy, and so it was, it was wrong on many accounts, right. physical, mental, all these things. And he runs away, and I, I doubled back across the street. He pulls uh, out the blowgun. No, to go. Lines up the shot. I was going to go, like, talk to the homeless guy and just be like, hey, let's get, a, let's get away from here. Let's get you out of this place. Uh, homeless- Bobby, before you continue, yeah. does this call for a theme song? No, no, unfortunately it doesn't, and this uh, is why I don't deserve the theme song today, and I'll tell you why. Uh, I I'm go. Leave. I go to do that, and the homeless guy ends up before I can even get there, like sucking your dick for run, two dollars. Yeah, running the other way, and they're separated. And I go, okay, that's fine. I spent the rest of the day feeling super guilty about that because I could have intervened when he was holding the homeless guy by the collar and holding his hand in the yeah, air. Yeah, you're a bad person. Yeah, I totally am. Well, I I chose not to because I thought he wasn't going to hit him, and I made the wrong call, and that guy got hurt. Right, and so on your watch, on my watch, he got hurt. Yeah, exactly. And so I turn I, in your costume. I felt fairly bad about that, and I still kind of do for some time. And there is a thing where if you have the ability to stop something bad from happening and you don't stop it, to some extent, you are as 
guilty as causing that event. You are Peter Parker, and that homeless man is Uncle Ben. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I have I have great responsibility. <laughs> so, Ryan, you are somebody who also like I looked at this guy. Now, now listen, yoked dude, uh, and I'm no superhero or anything, but I, but this guy was drunk. He was he had his back to me because he was holding the homeless guy by the collar and had one hand in the air. I could have walked up right behind him, put in a head and arm triangle, and just stopped the fight without even throwing a punch. I could have done that. I look back and I wish desperately I had. Head and arm triangle over a rear naked choke from that yes, position. Yes, hundred percent. Because a rear naked choke, I'd have to lock in the the legs to make sure I secure it. Head no, and arm triangle. No, you wouldn't. Head, head, a drunk dude. Well, yeah. Head and arm head and arm triangle, which I've used before on on people. It's it's. I really think you're both missing the big move for, here, which is the crane kick. Yes, that's right. <laughs> for for a standing person, uh, head and arm triangle is very useful for me. It's been very good to me. But You've I could have locked it on me. I. I could have done that, and he had his arm in the air, so it was easy. I had his armpit. I could have just come right under, boom, locked it up and done it. So I, I felt guilty about that for the rest of the day. Do you have that, Ryan? Do you have instances where you see something going down, you know you can stop it, you don't stop it, and then you feel bad about it I've later? I've had one haunt me since high school. Really? Yes. Uh, you know, when uh, my wife and I first got together, like, literally every time we'd see someone in trouble and, like, in traffic, like, their car had broken down yeah. or something, I would jump out of the car and help push it and shit. Sure. She's like, why do you do that? I'm like, because if I don't help... It might haunt me, and here's the situation where it absolutely haunted me. I was like a, um, I was the captain of the wrestling team in high school, and I was waiting in line for the vending machine, and uh, this special needs girl was trying to like order a candy bar out, uh, by pressing. She didn't have enough money, and she was like a nickel short. I could see that. Everyone in the line could see that. Yeah. And this fucking douchebag was like, "Hey, come on, you fucking tard, let's Ooh. go!" And she like she was confused, yeah. and she was sad, and she didn't know why the candy bar wasn't coming out. And I could have literally grabbed this guy by his collarbone and thrown him against the machine, and yeah. then put a nickel in there and been a superhero. But I didn't. Yeah. I just sat there and I let this fucking this guy half my size verbally abuse this mentally challenged girl trying to buy, buy a candy bar, and I said nothing. And that was uh, ooh, I don't know, nineteen years ago or something. Yeah. I think about it every goddamn day. I'm like, why didn't I stop any of that? Yeah, I could have. I could have put the nickel in. I could have punched that kid in the head. Yeah, I could. I could have said, you know what? Have a second Snickers on me. Yeah. It was fucking eighty cents back <laughs> right. in the nineties. But like, I, I did none of it. And I'm like, what? Why did I just let that girl that that mentally and she was low functioning too. Sure. And I I just let her be yelled at. And he was making fun of her with his with his friends. And she was like, she had tears in her eyes. She didn't know. And I didn't step in and do anything. And it's fucking haunted me. Yeah, it absolutely still bothers me. And oh. and any time something like that happens, it still bothers me. I still remember one time in college, I was walking home uh, up the main drag, and where I went to school. It was right next to Oakland, and there was a lot of ghetto shit that went down. And at one point, I'm walking up, and I look across the street, and I see this huge gang of thugs surround these two guys. And I see what's about to happen. Those two guys are drunk. And Bobby says, I could easily defeat all of those thugs, and I didn't have <laughs> I could have just taken off my Bobby uniform. <laughs> there, was, there was about seven of them, and they surrounded these two guys, and one of them literally did the, like, Come from behind, hold the guy's hands behind him, and the other oh, one starts Mexican karate? beating the <laughs> shit out of him. And I had a split second decision. There's a police officer in his parked car, and I swear to God, this isn't a joke. Those of you guys who know Berkeley will know where I'm talking about. Right outside a donut shop, 
there is a cop sitting right there in his cruiser. And I look across. He's not being hacky. If he says it was a donut shop, there yeah. was a donut shop. <laughs> I was looking across the street and I see this going on and I have the choice. And what I could have done is yelled at the cop, hey, look hey, over there. Hey, give me your gun. <laughs> I could have yelled. Oh, at least the taser. Don't be a pussy. <laughs> what I could have done is yelled at the cop, hey, look over there. And then ran across the street and tried to stop it, knowing full well there was a cop right behind me. But what I did instead is I ran up to the cop and started like going, hey, hey, hey. There's cool. a special on Quillers. <laughs> and the cop like looks up, looks at me, looks across the street as this dude is getting the fuck beat out of him. Fuck beat out of him. He can't stop any of these punches. He has his hands behind his back. He's getting punched in the head, the stomach, everything. And by the way, that could kill you. Yes. And he goes, oh, like, ugh, like, oh, my God, I got to <laughs> deal with this now. Oh, Sorry to bother you at the office, by the way. Slowly opens the door, gets out, adjusts his belt, and then like looks to check for traffic before casually crossing the street. And in that time, did those, he saunter? Yeah, he did. And in those in that time, those dudes got the fuck beat out of them brutally. And as the cop is slowly walking by, the thuggish dudes run away, and these guys are left on the ground. And the ambulance had to come the whole nine yards. And I thought to myself, ever since then, I was like, man. I don't know what happened to those guys. I know they had to get carted away on an ambulance, but it's very possible some of them got CT. When they went to the ground, they got started getting stomped on their head and everything. I could have run over there and yelled at the cop like, "Follow me, we're going!" Like, and just started and just punched one or two, and I could have very easily avoided damage myself at that time. Not because I'm a superhero, but just because I could keep distance away from you for the five seconds it takes this cop to get here. Now that I've now that this is a big deal, and I didn't do it. And I think to myself, what if that dude got CTE? Like, what if? He is never the same again because I made that wrong choice. I'm going to assuage some of your guilt right now. Mm -hmm. If you had done that, the cop would not have gotten out of the car. You think so? Some big, crazy dude comes around, follow me, and takes off. The cop's like, what the fuck was that? Okay, goes back to reading his paper. (laughs) And then you would have been in the hospital, I think I could have. My plan now, now that I look back in hindsight, what I would have done is run up, started pounding on his hood, and go, look over there, and then sprinted over and, and, and tried to intervene. And again... I'm not saying I'm, I'm going to beat the shit out of seven guys. What I'm saying is now these seven guys can no longer unobstructed, unobstructedly hold this guy behind it with his hands behind his back and tee off on his face. They at least can't do damage to him because they got to like try and tackle me or do whatever. And in the meantime, now the cop has to be involved. I just pounded on his hood. I made a public scene about the whole thing. Doesn't have to be involved. Maybe, maybe not. But regardless, I always think about that. And I thought about that on July 4th. And that was one of the things that really like tipped me off. Oh, wait a minute. So you failed twice? I only yes. failed the one time. <laughs> I only failed totally. the retarded girl. <laughs> totally. That was a long time ago. Oh, man. You fucking, you even, you learned your lesson and you did it again. I well, did it again. I'm then, way superior to yeah, you. Absolutely. <laughs> well, that's what I felt when I saw those messages coming home for, about the Mikey Gordon thing. I was like, Oh yeah! Don't I, fail a third time. I can't let I, I can't, can't let talk this, to you in public. I cannot let this go by. If I allow this to happen, I'm gonna be sitting there, and it's not gonna be some random dude who might have CTE or the homeless dude who got punched in the head. It was only once, but punched in the head. It's gonna be two of my closest friends, either both or one of which getting dramatically hurt. <laughs> well, it may not happen because my price tag just went way up. <laughs> so, anyways. <laughs> Right, I heard of uh, something else that happened that was, uh, what I must say, I've never seen this in comedy before. It turns out that somebody apparently booked a show at the same venue that you do a very popular show. (laughs) 
but the venue didn't know about it. <laughs> well, all right. So I launched. I launched the third. Uh, to be fair, I haven't done this show yet. Ah. This is a, the third location that I announced on a previous episode that I just launched. The first one's going to be in um, uh, September. Mm-hmm. So I, I booked a killer lineup. Uh, I'll announce it now. Tamara Catan's going to be headlining. Great. It's it's on the books. I we had a big meeting about it. You know, the event coordinator, the owner, the founder. We're all there. It's all set. We're like, all right, this is going to be a big challenge because it's going to be more seats than than any other venue I book, and it's going to be on a Wednesday. So that's mm. that's even tougher. So so it's going to take a lot of work. So we're like, all right, here's here's the plan we're going to put in place to get this sold out on a Wednesday show. Okay, and then just a, like a week ago, I get a text from a guy who's. Um, I, I don't want to. I don't want badmouth the guy. He, he's a nice guy, but he's 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 a he's a few. He's a lower level guy, mm-hmm. um, so, and he's like, "Hey man, uh, I don't want to step any toes here, but uh, I'm doing I'm doing that show. Sorry, I, I'm I'm that 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 venue's hired me. I'm like, huh? Now is he saying for the same night? No, he's saying for like a, a month before. Ah. But still, that throws a wrench in my program because you know I'm like, um, that guy doesn't book great shows. Yeah, he, he books his friends and himself. Yeah, because they can't get booked anywhere else. <laughs> That's I'm, I, I, now I, for those of you who might be thinking, hey Ryan, that seems like pretty egotistical of you to say somebody else can't do a show at your same venue. I want you to imagine this. Let's say you were like McDonald's and you have a reputation of putting out very cheap but not so great food, right? Like the McDonald's 99-cent hamburger, right? Now, let's say you're somebody who's a gourmet chef who wants to debut their new hamburger. You don't want to do it in McDonald's because everybody is used to that 99-cent shit bag. So even if you make the best-tasting hamburger on earth, nobody's going to come try it. Right. <laughs> Nobody wants that hamburger, or at least the demographic that you would be selling that hamburger to does not want it from there. Right. So the guy says, like, I'm going to do my show the the, the month before yours he's like don't worry man you can still do yours he gave me like permission yeah. and so i'm like I, I i contact the uh the owner who i've been in contact with he's been great i've like i was like uh what the? i just sent him the screenshot i'm like what what's going on he's like i've never heard of that guy <laughs> i'm like really i'm like and so i went back to the to comic number one i'm like hey man um i just talked to the owner and the founder he does not know who you are and he goes well, I talked to the event coordinator, Amanda. I'm like, so I sent that screenshot, like, talk to Amanda, who I was talking to. And I'm like, ask her what is going on, man. Because like you said, if he shows up the month before me and puts on a shitty free show with his tard crew, I am fucked. Now, that's not true of like a comedy club, obviously, right? Like comedy clubs, they book whoever they want. That's their their job. Right, that's right. what they do. When you're doing bar shows, you have to understand there is a patronage to these bars. And this is going to be the base by which so you draw no your audience. No one's going to say... Oh, uh, comic number one does a bad show, but they got comic number two coming yeah. in uh, next month, and he might do better. Let's give him a chance. By the way, that one cost twenty dollars. This the, this other one was free, but this one will cost twenty dollars. Obviously, the the, the quality is going to go up. They're not going to say anything. They're going to no, go. No. They're going to go. Thirteen point puts on a shitty comedy show. Oh my god, they're charging for the next yes. one. Are you out of your fucking mind? Yeah. Not even amounting to Yelp reviews, by the way, which won't say. Comic A's show is really bad. They'll say the comedy show here sucks, right. and that's a Yelp review that then everybody gets to see before they buy tickets to Ryan's show. <laughs> no, I've not said any of this to the, to the management. Uh, you know, I'm like, uh, you know, uh, I just asked what's going on. The owner says I don't know that guy. Then the person she he's like, talk to Amanda. She'll tell you. I talked to Amanda. Amanda goes, 
oh yeah, that guy's been emailing me for months. Uh, <laughs> I said no. <laughs> I said no. He wanted thirty five percent of our bar sales. Whoa! And he had no plan to how he's going to get more people in the door. Except my comedy show will be there. Like if you if you're a pretty established show, you get ten. You might get ten off of it, or you take the door. But thirty five percent for a brand a new bar person. sales. Yeah, a, a bar, bar sales. sales. Yeah. So he's like, he, he wanted an astronomical number. He he had no plan of how. That was going to uh, benefit us in any way. Yeah. So, yeah, we went with you a month ago. I, I I thought I told him no. Yeah, I went back to him. I'm like, she said no, man. I don't know why, you, why you're even contacting me. He's like, all right, man, it's going to be a great show. I'm like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? So did you end up resolving it? Is that show going to happen? No, no. What they're going to do is they're going to settle this in a bouncy house. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, no, I, I think he finally contacted them and said, oh, I got my show on August 8th, right? And they were like, absolutely not. You will be escorted off the premises. <laughs> He's going to show up and do it gorilla style. He's like, show up with his own PA. I'm Out here. parking lot. <laughs> Dave, so uh, you you did the Comic-Con thing as you do every single year. Any good stories this Fucking year? Love it. I, actually, there was an interesting thing that I saw that I wanted you down there for. Mm. Most years, even if you guys don't go, you're familiar with the religious freaks. Oh, that totally. Hold the sign like, oh, you're all sinners. Blah, oh, yeah. blah, They've been there for years. Yes, too. yes. They're, they they're just want attention. Yeah. yeah. There was a new one this year. Oh, Comic Number One's doing a show for them, actually, uh, pretty soon. <laughs> new one this year. I've never seen it before. A bunch of women wearing the Guy Fox mask, mm-hmm. all with different signs uh, promoting the anti-vax agenda. <sighs> really? Yeah, a bunch of them. Wow. Like, I count at least a dozen. And I have never noticed this before. I don't know if you guys have noticed this. This is the first time I noticed almost all anti-vaxxers are white women. Yeah, that's it's oh, very yes. common. So yes. It's a very wealthy me. woman. I, I feel like they discuss this at, like, Tupperware parties or like a, or a sex toy exchange of some yeah. kind. It's always uh, same woman. Uh, bleach blonde, too much jewelry, too much makeup, yes. married a surgeon. That's yep. the guy, or that's the lady. That fucking says, I don't vaccinate my children. Well, there, there's, a, there's a reason for that. I mean, so you have to understand, if you are going to go against, and, and it used to be almost more mainstream than it is now, like the anti-vaxxer movement, but now it's such a fringe group. If you're going to go against that, you need to have some kind of entitlement or personality disorder or something to be like, no, no, no. All the doctors, medical science, and research for the past 50 years, that's bullshit. But Susan knows what's going on. Like, <laughs> you have to have a crazy sense of entitlement. And that is usually, that type of entitlement is usually reserved for wealthy, whiter right, women. Right. This, like, this is like older white women's yes. version of flat earth. Yes, it totally is. Because I know the truth. Because you have to, like, even if you're a wealthy white dude, you're still going to take a bunch of shit from your other wealthy white dude friends who will make fun of you. So it is really an, a very small, narrow segment of the population who doesn't take shit from anybody because they don't have to. And it pretty much is that. It is the wealthy white moms from La Jolla. Well, you know, on that, I, what I think is, they probably, when they first saw this, um, got gung-ho about it. And now they're, I don't think they even believe it themselves anymore, but they're so against admitting they were wrong yeah. that they will fucking die on this hill. I'll give you an example, okay? So when I worked in um, healthcare, I worked in a clinic in La Jolla, where you just mentioned. Uh-huh. And I would see this kind of person all the time. This is Now, there was an uh, older, wealthy white woman that came in one time and said, um, there was two front desks. There was, uh, and uh, she goes to the first one. She goes, uh, hey, I need to uh, uh, pick up my prescription, but it's at this desk over here. And I said, no, no, uh, we keep them uh, uh, over here. She goes, no, you don't. You keep them at that desk. I'm like, 
No, no, no. They're they're right here. Let me let me get it for you. What's your last name? She's like, this is ridiculous. I I I have I have always picked it up at that desk. I'm like, ma'am, I've been working here six years, and I've actually got it from you from this uh, lockbox over here four times now. It's it's right here. Let me just. Can I get your last name? I. I want to see a manager what? who will confirm that it used to be at that desk. I'm not disputing, sir, that it's at this desk now, but I want someone, I want emotional compensation. <laughs> I want someone to confirm that it at one point was at that desk so I don't look stupid. Well, I, I mean, so here's the thing. And that's what the anti-vax movement yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. And I am sorry. Again, I've been super busy, so I couldn't get down there. But I would love to because— I wanted you down to debate them. Yeah, like, well, it They all be- had different signs. One of the signs was like, vaccines are made from aborted stem cells. Right. And I was like, so? <laughs> Let's do something with them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's not going to bring them back if we don't use but them. But at one point, a bunch of them—like, I counted 12 when I walked in the first time. But then yeah, as yeah. I was sitting there hanging out— um, I saw a line of maybe 20 of them walking by as they're like going to their stations yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Now, there's a lot of things that make me feel bad for the future of humanity. Like, oh, we're, people are bad in general. I, I get a bad feeling from most things that happen in public. Right. But this actually gave me hope because as they're walking by, everyone in the vicinity loudly booed. Nice. Loudly booed these women. One guy even yelled from way back. He's like, take your masks off, coward. <laughs> And that it was just, Dave. Yeah. No, but that just like bolstered their reserve. They're like, oh, see, everyone hates us. We're, yes. Because we're doing the right thing. Yeah. Some guy dressed as Iron Man starts crying. <laughs> I mean, I actually think what we should do from now on, both for the religious groups and the anti-vaxxer groups, we should get the best roasting comics in San Diego out there Ooh. with megaphones every single year and do it till they cry. That would be great. Just like the person that couldn't say, hey, I'm sorry, I thought it was at that desk to get my prescription to this one. This is a bunch of women that are unable to say, hey, some literature came out that I bought into really fully and debated a lot of people on Facebook in 2012. And now that it's come out that that was all fraudulent for the profit of another man that was trying to uh, market his shit, I I feel foolish and I'm sorry about that. And... uh, uh, I'd rather a retarded alive kid than a dead one. Someone needs to come up with a 12-step program for these people. Yeah. They're like, your demon isn't alcohol. Your demon is misinformation. Well, Let's get you in this program. You can apologize to everyone you've wronged. Yeah, and for, some, that- for some, it's that. For some, it's like the Flat Earth thing where they need to have secret knowledge, right? right. Because they're not, they've never been the smartest person in any room they've been in. The only way they can feel good about themselves is to imagine they know something that other people don't. Right. And so they... they they latch on to these fringe beliefs because now, ooh, I know this. You don't know all the stuff I know. Right. I know all the secret stuff. You should come to me. So there is a narcissism that comes along with a lot of this stuff. And so the way to defeat it will be different for each individual person and why they're there. But I do think that mocking them incessantly in public until they cry, taping it, and then going to everything they do after that and playing that tape might help. I think that'll just bolster them again. They'll be like, oh, look how we're being attacked. Maybe. Here's... I, I like the idea, if you've ever seen Fletch Lives, which no. was not a good Fletch movie, but there was a scene where the, the clan was having a rally, so he put on a quick hood and robe and went in there and in, infiltrated and like just made an ass of them like by being one of them acting stupid. Yeah. That's what we should do. Because we can find out what costumes are wearing. Yeah. This is fine yeah. as long. All we right, can get we the same costumes. Members, yes. I'm in. And then we, we should... can go and join, and our signs will be like a little bit different than theirs. And yes. them... Good news. I have extra clan robes <laughs> at my house. <laughs> we'll go in and we'll be like, yeah, vaccines cause autism. Also, Cosby was innocent. Like, and yeah. just start throwing out and things yeah. like that. And they're like, well, well, let's calm it down a little bit. Like, <laughs> 
I gotta get out of here and take a nap here before my show tonight. But uh, <laughs> well, before the nap, you gotta drink some more. Uh, well, yeah, like a lot more. I'm, th- I'm not even catching a buzz here. So, anyways, uh, before we go, Bobby, next nerd night, please. August sixth. Come on out. There's some really interesting nerd night speakers uh, this month, and also we've had some degenerates fans starting to come, which is really cool because it's starting to turn into like a degenerate science faction event as well. Maybe so I should go. To the you next should one. come. Yeah. Hey, did, guys, come on out to 32 North Brewing at 6:30 p.m. on August sixth. Uh, come hang out with us. Nope, I'm gonna be at my therapist. Anyway, <laughs> so more important. <laughs> yeah. oh, you know what? Actually, either come to my show or go to Ryan's therapist with him. He can use some support. <laughs> I could use, you know, and I, I. But but don't tell me that you're ready for therapy yet. You have to right. do some yeah. therapy open mics <laughs> first. <laughs> Anyways, uh, my next show at Burning Beard. By the way, a few degenerate fans have uh, tried to get in last minute and have asked me for tickets last minute. It's been selling out earlier and earlier. Next one is August 22nd. You can call Burning Beard Brewery and get those tickets, or you can go there and just have a beer and get some, but it's going to start Eric Knowles in from Texas. He is uh, banging that part of his tour, so August 22nd, Burning Beard Brewery. I'll be a madhouse here and there. Yeah. Cool. (laughs) I'm Ryan for Dave and Bobby saying see you next week, cruising with the twos. Follow me. We're going. Motherfucking time is passing by